Do you want to start? No, I don't want to start. Just start. No, you I do always, it. I always start. You do always start because you do a better job. I'm just the co-host. Fine. Episode four, parked up and we're still parked up. One month of being parked up, Tony D. I know, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's actually gone pretty quick, uh, but it, uh, everyone's getting pretty used to this lifestyle now. But I'll tell you what, I'm ready to go racing again. I'm, I've, I've very much got itchy feet. You don't want to be parked up anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm over it. Okay, well, we, uh, we've got a couple of people that we can speak to in today's episode to see if we can actually get that happening. Uh, one of those includes Eugene Rocker, the Motorsport Australia's CEO, and we can just sort of push him and prod him to see if he can get things happening. A lot of people always blame Motorsport Australia or CAMS for everything. Let's we can blame the coronavirus on on cam, so they get blamed for everything. So <laughs> we can blame them. We've got a couple of other special guests. Before we get into that, a couple of little things. In the first one, the car sales ARG Esport Cup, and people could more often than not hear what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> the broadcast uh, worked really well. You commentated with Aaron Noonan, and yeah. uh, it all worked out pretty good. And the racing was good as well. I thought it was fantastic. You know, we, we all know the story from last week and we're all over that. We've moved on. Uh, but awesome to see the improvement in, in the broadcast uh, and then to actually show people what we were seeing uh, from the point of view of the, you know, close battles and all that sort of stuff going up and down the, the field. And uh, race two in particular for me was, was really exciting. You know, we had a battle there for position two. Uh, Garth had disappeared a little bit into the distance, but we had some great drivers really fighting it out hard for you know probably 10 or so laps of that race. Uh, for me, that was the highlight. Uh, and yeah, it, it just sort of showcased what uh, this championship's all about, uh, the, the hard, close racing. And the, the, the Zolder circuit was quite interesting as well. I thought it suited the cars. I thought it suited the racing. And it was a really big challenge for the drivers. Yep, so just a very quick recap. Ash Sutton, the former British touring car champion, who's a bit of a special guest in the Panther Fuel entry. He took victory in the first race. He also qualified on pole, 30-lap race. It got a little... It, was, it, it went for a long time, so we might have a little um, format review tune-up in, uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, the beauty of online racing is flexibility. And in the second race, the reverse top 20... Everyone's favourite three-time Bathurst winner, Garth Tander. <laughs> no, your favourite, mate. Took a big win, but there were some really good battles. Mm. Uh, and they were all, like typical of online racing. Also some pretty major shunts. Yeah, I saw on social media this morning, Mike Sinclair from Carsales put something up that uh, he just had the slightest little touch with another driver. And he went, you know, spinning off into the distance in the air, like pirouetting. And it was such an you know, over-exaggeration of the actual incident. Uh, and that's what we're sort of seeing a little bit as well. But, you know, the beauty of the virtual world is no one gets hurt, they get back on their wheels and uh, get the car repaired and away they go. Now, just talking about the first race, you know, the, that longer format, I actually spoke with Trent Harrison this morning and said, what did you think? Uh, did you think it was too long? And he said, well, not from my perspective because he got belted out of the way and it gave him those extra laps to actually try and come back through the field. Uh, what I think, you know, Potentially could have been better. You know, there was a couple of times when we probably could have thrown a safety car and brought that field back together um, because I think there was plenty of racing to, to still play out. But because of the, uh, the crashes and people having to repair their car, suddenly we had like a, a fairly big field spread. Um, Ash Sutton, as you mentioned, he just disappeared into the distance. He made it look easy. 
And Gar sort of did a similar thing in race two, and we actually spoke to him uh, after the race, and he said, I think the trick to this is actually trying to stay out of trouble and uh, knock any damage on your car. Because once you start belting the car up and you get involved in incidents uh, with other drivers, obviously that's slowing you down, but the damage on the car is also slowing the car down as well. So he got away at the start, put his head down, and away he went. So he probably wasn't the quickest driver of the night. Um, he was competitive, uh, but... You know, we saw in the first race when he got involved in different crashes and what have you and hit into, uh, he couldn't really, you know, get through the field that well. But when he got that clear air, uh, he made it look quite easy. I think one of the great things is that you get to speak to the drivers as they're ploughing around the, the circuit there. Unfortunately for James Golding, we jumped in and <laughs> spoke to him uh, while he had a bit of a battle pack happening right behind him. And um, the old commentator's curse yes. caught him out. Having and a couple of times. He got uh, eaten up by Harley Haber, then uh, touched into the back of him and then got touched and spun around. So um, that we, is uh, something that I don't think we should stop. Like no. we, we need to speak to these guys at, uh, at, at, at any, every possible moment. I was reading, I shouldn't really read it, but it was some uh, social media this morning on that. And you know, a person commented, why would we talk to the driver when he had a heap of pressure on him with five cars behind him battling for a podium position? And it's like, well, we're doing this for entertainment, guys. So, of course, we're going to talk to them and put them under pressure to hopefully they do make a mistake because it's interesting. Um, we're not... Uh, racing for you know, sheep stations or trying to win a world championship or anything like that. We aren't? No, nah, well, I'm, otherwise I'd be racing, mate. Otherwise <laughs> I'd be racing. No, we're there to entertain people while we're parked up. And uh, it's the same with all the other you know, racing categories around the world. They're trying to keep the fans entertained. So I reckon the more we can talk to the drivers and get their insight in you know, the, the moment when they're really uh, battling hard is a lot more interesting than just grabbing someone when they're on their own. So that was really interesting to be able to tap into the drivers and get their feedback straight away. You know, we spent a little bit of time with Thomas Randall. We did a couple of laps with him and talking to him, you know, getting his insight on the circuit as well while he's actually driving, that's pretty difficult to do. So I can't wait for this week's Car Sales ARG Esport Cup either. Uh, drivers are getting more familiar with what's expected of them. Uh, Will Brown actually came out this morning and said he's actually going to put some effort in, which is great because uh, he's had two rounds now where he hasn't really uh, featured at all, and that's not like Will at all. So that'll be good to see the, the progress. It's, uh, he'll have all Easter to do that. So let's see if he can pop up at the next round. Yeah, great. It's a, a great concept and, and the esports is just exploding all around the world. It doesn't matter uh, what, what sport you're in. I, I saw there was a uh, online game of rugby league happening that uh, some people were commentating. Uh, motorsport obviously is a great medium for it. Supercars did an awesome job with, with their one, Formula One, NASCAR. There's some rally yeah. rally stuff going on as well. So uh, it's absolutely exploding. And uh, we might grab Aaron Noonan for a quick chat real soon. But before we do that, I just wanted to ask, um, the coronavirus has been... A, uh, a real pain in everyone's ring, really. Yeah, like this yeah. is just not uh, this is not fun, and uh, you know our lives have changed in a way that I guess we probably never really thought was going to be the case. Um, I wanted to know from yourself uh, what is the, the the little guilty pleasure that you've <laughs> been uh, that you've been giving yourself in this time. <laughs> I wanted to know, what's the guilty pleasure that you've 
uh, found yourself enjoying that typically you might not do, uh, you know, in that uh, pre-virus <laughs> world? Yeah, well, it's given me a lot more time to spend with the family, which has been really nice. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of work for my dad as well during the day, but I finished that at about three o'clock and then I've got, you know, a few hours in the afternoon that I'm going to spend with the family, which is great. So for me, it's actually been probably a bit more routine. Um, we're on the road a lot, uh, which is fantastic to be seeing different parts of the country and uh, going to race meetings and we love that. But you sort of miss some of the small pleasures as well uh, that you have right in front of you. So I've enjoyed that part of it, but I am getting starting to get a little bit of uh, cabin fever. And, uh, you know, we're a month into it, as you say, and I reckon uh, a lot of people are feeling the same way. So they want to see their motorsport, and I think the uh, online stuff is really going to kick off going forward now into the next couple of months if we're parked up for that long. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Stay tuned to your TV for more updates from uh, old uh, Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister. He's uh, definitely earning his keep over the the last little while. But uh, we will now go and chat to your new co-commentator. His name's Aaron Noonan. And we'll get his take on the esports motorsport. And on the line, we have our good, close, personal friend. His name is Aaron Noonan. Aaron, welcome to Parked Up. I feel pleasured to be parked up. Is that how you should describe it? I guess so. That's exactly where we all are at the moment. The The wheels have stopped in Australian motorsport, and I'm sure you know that better, better than most. Have been involved in this industry for many, many, many years. Just tell us, uh, before we ask you some questions about uh, where the racing stuff's at, tell us about your coronavirus story and how it's affected your world. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think it's one of those ones where it's it's hard to fully know and get a grasp right here, right now, as to how affected it is. Um, uh, with my business, which a lot of people probably don't understand, um, it's not just me. There's... Uh, We have four or five employees in the business, so obviously a small business that employs people uh, and has an industry suddenly stop, just like the the world has stopped, uh, is obviously threatening times. But I I guess one of the things in our world, uh, all all of our staff are working from home now, obviously. Um, I'm still based in the office, but it's only 10 minutes from home, so it's only me who's ever there, and and we're not a, a retail kind of a business where people physically come and visit us anyway. So uh, a lot of the work we do is uh, in the world of like, not historic motorsport, but it's not reliant on the current events unfolding. Obviously, some of it is, uh, but uh, putting together books and doing some of the historic work we do for private commission projects and all sorts of things like that mean that there's still work for us to press on with. But the question is, when do we go car racing again for that sort of event-based work to kick back in? So it's a bit hard to know at the moment. What, what are you talking about? We went car racing the other night on uh, eSport. Uh, we you, did. You were we lucky did. enough. And I say lucky. You were, you were commentating with uh, myself. You actually replaced Grant. Now, I wanted to I, just I, touch I, look, on this. Was it a little right. bit... Uh, what was the word? Obviously daunting. Though. Daunting. Filling my, uh, filling my big boots. <laughs> Following not, in those wheel you tracks. Got the axe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that feeling. I've been axed many a time in my career. Thanks. Too, so thanks Grant, for sa- I, I feel for you. I thanks for you. saving the broadcast. I saw some social media posts saying that, well, Aaron's come in and everything's fixed. So <laughs> that was amazing that you've <laughs> that come in and fixed case. it all that up. Is, no, I, I have no technical ability whatsoever. Although, 
I do I do remind myself that from uh, the round at Zolda the other evening, uh, the commentator's curse, I think, was effectively planted by Delberto three times. Yes. And I think we were joint co-members in one when we crossed to James Golding to have a chat to him and suddenly he was in a five-car wreck. So I think that's I one that of was the great. So it's really, I think it's 4-1, but Tony's in front before the next round. No, I thought that was absolutely fantastic because we're doing this for entertainment. We're trying to fill in the time when we're not actually on the racetrack. We're seeing heaps of different other sports that are trying to you know, do the same thing. Motorsport, though, is probably the most realistic or the closest thing to actually going racing in real life. So we're seeing a lot of drivers get involved. So what is your take on the online racing? Are you actually getting into it, or it's just not the same as a real thing? Oh, it will never replace the velocity, the noise, the atmosphere of a real car race where, you know, it's all of the things, whether you're a competitor, a spectator, a crew member, all the things that come with the physicality of the sport. Um but you're right, TD, we're in a position where we can do something. Uh, you can't get a virtual AFL game and have you know, 40 players all hooked up via their PlayStations uh, kicking the ball around on a screen in front of everybody. Uh, we've got the opportunity to do something. So, uh, look, my personal, I've never really had a, an involvement or a strong following of, of esports or, or gaming to, to that sort of a degree. But uh, I think it's really important that it's helped bind our little industry and we're a very tiny industry in the the bigger picture of australia and the world but as a motor racing community i think it's helped bind us together in the last week with what supercars have been doing and arg's been doing as well it's given people something to look forward to something to engage with and something to be entertained by in a time where uh you know you flick through all the tv stations and there's lots of news bulletins and they're saying lots of things that could happen and potentially could happen and um and how tough things are going in the world and and we certainly don't take that for granted or um, ignore it but any time that we can um, do something to entertain then it's not a bad thing to do and I thoroughly enjoyed calling that racing the other night that we did at um, at Zolder for the the car sales AIG eSport Cup I thought it was a good bit of fun and I think the bit I loved most was we got to talk to I think we talked to what eight or nine drivers over the course of the night who were in various corners of the world and the country um, from Ash Sutton racing in the UK to Gareth Tander, based out at Melbourne Performance Centre, to Tom Randall, to Will Brown up in Queensland, to Jet Johnson, to Aaron Seaton. We got around a fair few people, so I thought that was a really cool thing for us to do. It, but now that we've done this and that we're doing this, when we do go back to, and I, I say it respectfully, real car racing, uh, maybe I will keep a bit more of an eye on the whole e-sport type of uh, scenario. It's not something I've put much attention into mainly because I've been very busy doing all the other things I do but uh, uh, I don't think I'd be any good at having a go at it I'd be the I I reckon me and Mike Sinclair might have the fight for 40th place but (laughs) um, it'd be a -a ring-a-ding-ding and I reckon we'd get all the coverage so uh, I wouldn't mind having a go it'd be good fun but I'd be pretty wasted in one of those super duper sims that that some of the boys are, are playing on. Well, look, part of your world has been cataloguing the history of the sport. And, uh, you know, one thing in particular is the chassis history of each of the uh, supercars. And, uh, and it, you know, you do other categories as well, keeping track of, of all these great cars that we, uh, that we watch on the weekends around the Australian motorsport circuits. There's at least 200, 300 new simulators now in racing drivers' <laughs> living rooms. Is this a new no, uh, simulator no, chassis, no, no, chassis no, no, no. history? We're not doing it. Maybe we no, 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 this. we're not going. <laughs> no, we're, we're definitely we're not going to get stuck in the sim chassis numbers. There's enough on the plate with real race cars and uh, having to deal with all them. So, uh, 
No, I think that's we might stick to supercars, TCR cars, S five thousand, and a bit bunch of historic cars, and we'll leave the the sim tracking to uh, the wheelers and dealers who are selling second hand units is probably best. <laughs> You've certainly got a lot on your plate. Now, recently, one of our family cars got sold. Uh, chassis double O one was it double O one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was my first uh, supercar that I raced in the Supercars Championship, um, and it was actually Mark Scaife's car. It was a prototype vehicle for Holden. It's got a little bit of history there, but it's got a new home now. Yeah, it does. Uh, through uh, my little website that we've got going, V8 Sleuth, where we deal in all that side no of stuff. No free plugs and... here, thank you. All <laughs> oh, right, well, I think I just got one, so I'm in. I'm done. You can bleep that later if you like. But uh, yeah, that's the original prototype VE Commodore that Welcomeshaw Racing and Holden Motorsport Holden collaborated on in uh, late in 2006. And it had that very unique livery that had the, the black, white, and red with the 07 on the side uh, that Todd Kelly and Mark Scaife drove at Lang Lang, and Nathan Pretty did a lot of straight line testing at Woomera. I think he has bad dreams about driving in straight lines backwards and forwards when he sees uh, photos of that car. But, yeah, and as you mentioned, I mean, Tita, you got your hands on that car. Scaife drove for a little while in 07, and then you had it in 08. So it got driven by some, well, a fair roster of drivers apart from your good self. I think you had uh, Jason Barguana for the Enduros. Glenn Seaton did some practicing in it. Uh, Andrew Thompson. Did yeah, the Enduros, Shane Price, Price Tiago Montero on the Gold Coast. That car um, had done a lot of miles. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, but just a few. It did actually get sold with a fresh engine and gearbox. So mm. um, besides a, a, maybe a little bit of uh, TLC, she's almost ready to go. Yeah, and, and uh, as you well know, the new owners, um, Bradley Neal, who races in the Kumo V8 Touring Car Series, been driving a, an ex-Stone Brothers Falcon in that for the last few years. And previously, he had one of the old... Uh, privateer cars, the David Truckee Parsons Blue Parsons Transport car for a while. So uh, he's got a, a real take of history and a, and a love for all that stuff, and he was always really keen to get a, a HRT car. So he's he's finally got it, but he's I know you spent a lot of time putting it back to that homologation testing livery, but he's going to put it back to Scaife no. 2007 Clipsal 500 HRT livery. So uh, I guess he owns it now, so he can do what he, he likes. do it every once, uh, yeah. We're very happy that the car's been uh, passed on to someone that actually, you know, has a real big uh, passion for motorsport, and uh, he's going to look after that car probably better than what we were. Uh, <laughs> now, we've got you on our uh, podcast, but you've got your own podcast as well, and I do listen to it regularly. Uh, who, no free plugs who, from you for him well, either. We're going for two from two. Who it's have you I got like coming this. up next? Who can we expect? Well, in the last few weeks, we've wheeled out a couple. We've had Greg Rust, uh, which he told some really cracking stories, some of which I'd never heard before. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of cross-pollinated podcasts. Normally, people would go, well, you can't have the host of another podcast on yours. That's just, that's like having another drive from another race team come and drive your car. Mm. Uh, But I don't subscribe to that theory. A good story is a good story. So uh, Rusty, Dave Reynolds was amazing. He opened up with some stuff that uh, I think a lot of people probably haven't heard a different side to him with his, particularly his accident that he had at Mount Buller many years ago in, um, in that Elfin V8 that you you, more, yep. you might remember. Yep. Uh, Jason Barguana was fantastic. We had a good chat with Bargs earlier in the year. I've just recorded one with Nick Percat, who uh, obviously now has been around the sport for quite some time, although he's still a, a really young guy. And he's he's opened up about well a whole pile of things about winning Bathurst and Adelaide and. Um, some of the deals that he could have done and didn't do and some of the background of some of the, the stuff that's gone on in his career so far. So we've got a really long list, but because of the way of the world now, uh, it's we were planning to do a, 
an interstate trip this year and take the recorder and load up and go and do a trip to Sydney and a trip to Queensland and, you know, record two or three or four in each trip and then we'd have a bit of a bank to, to draw upon. But obviously now um, interstate travel's impossible, mm. uh, so we're, we're doing them down the phone line, which isn't our preference, but given the, the world that we're in, it's the best way we can do it. So, uh, But in a way, that opens us up to a whole pile more people. So uh, we've got a bit of a hit list there that we'd like to get to. So uh, we are a long way done from finishing. And I think, TD, it's only fair. I mean, Timken are a great sponsor of ours, and I know they're a, a long-time supporter of yours. I think you need to come and tell some stories on our podcast about oh. racing V8s and running your own team and the deals that did or didn't happen and uh, and how many millions you're on from DJR Team Penske for the Enduros <laughs> and all of the big topics, the, the important stuff. Well, you've got my number. I was just about to comment on that. So when you're ready to do it, uh, I'd be uh, more than happy to come on board because it's a great little all podcast. All right, deal. D- deal done. You can come on. Rolly, uh, what can we talk to Rolly about? Uh, I'm sure Carding, that there's... Karting career. That's a short conversation. Uh, uh, I guess, Aaron, this, I think this... the thing when uh, when we just wind the clock right back, the very first <laughs> main job that I had in the sport was uh, at the Great Motorsport News at the old 357 Nepean Highways. Um, and Chris Lambden actually got me to come down for an interview uh, this would have been about February 2003, and I bowled through the uh, front door. Oh, I probably didn't bowl through. I was probably very nervous, and and um, <laughs> you were the only one in the uh, in the front office. Um, I had no idea who you were. No, actually, that's a joke. That's a lie. That's a lie. I, I was a long time reader, but first time walking through the door, I'd, like, oh, I was absolutely petrified. And like I'd, I'd said, oh, hi, Aaron, how are you going? And uh, your response was. I can't. I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you anything. I, I'm not, no. I can't. I can't tell you what's going on. You have to buy the magazine. <laughs> I thought, oh wow, who is this guy? <laughs> anyway, we've uh, seemed to um, hang out a little bit uh, for the last almost uh, twenty years. So uh, you still don't really tell me what's going on. You still like to keep oh, uh, play Chinese whispers. Oh, well, well, the funny thing is that you and I have had our paths crossed many years through the sport, through motorsport news, more recent times with TCR, the annual uh, book that you wrote for many years that reviewed the, the year of Australian motorsport, which, by the way, we've got some backup copies from the mid-2000s to yeah. about 2011. Beauty. So if you jump on our online store, you can yeah, grab yourself a copy. Uh, you were. Yeah, we uh, yeah 2007. 2007. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. The first um, development series car that I put on the cover, and the only reason I put put it on there was because you because it was him and i thought i could sell an extra 10 magazines to his old man no, the Italian, uh, Delberto family. it's a smart strategy i bet it worked too uh look i, I, well, yeah, you know, I also we, got you to is... work at speed cafe as well we we ran the, yeah, we uh, the column uh monday afternoon and i got you to write yeah. a column <laughs> what a name and that, that was uh uh that's hard to beat that's uh that's the name of names and and the other thing is too I still, we used to get confused. Uh, people got us confused because we we're about the same height. We were both, both wear glasses. We both were journalists. We both went to the same magazine for a fair while. So the amount of people that got you and I mixed up and who, what, when, where, and then Jack Perkins in the mix as well between. <laughs> Some people think he's my brother, which I don't know how that works. Uh, I had a, uh, um, it was Bathurst 2007 and I had a young kid, he would have only been eight at the time, come up to me and and say, excuse me, Jack, can you please sign my program? (laughs) And did you? (laughs) I didn't. I helped him. I helped him find Jack in the paddock. (laughs) Oh, you're a good bloke. You're a good bloke. 
What, and you would have signed the uh, you would have signed. Oh it yeah, totally. I would have done a JP Jack Perkins. No worries at all. I don't even know what his signature looks like, but I would have made one up for it. Aaron Noonan, great to uh, great to have you on Parked Up. We will send you the bill for the uh, countless V8 Sleuth podcast uh, references that you have made. But um, in uh, in all seriousness, it's um, great to have you involved as a caller for the Car Sales ARG Esport Cup, and we look forward to hearing more from you every Thursday night in this new crazy uh, online world of racing. I'm going to bring all the nerdy track facts for each of these venues. I've still got the Zolder ones stored away somewhere. So can we have another race there sometime so I get to use those, or do I just have to keep making new content every no, week? No more, no more Zolder. Okay. Too many uh, right. invisible Watkins, chicanes Watkins for my liking. Yeah, I'll sort out Watkins Glen and a few Perlers there. But no, seriously, thanks for having me along. It was a, a pile of fun for the last one we did, and let's uh, let's do it for a few more weeks and hopefully keep people entertained. And uh, we just have to... Just can we put a go slow system in for Ash Sutton? He went way too fast. I mean, it's he does we've got to get him. an Australian up there. Yeah, he, he smoked them at Zolder by about 20 seconds in the first race. So someone needs to go and pull a spring out of his pedal or something in his sim and slow him down a it's bit. It's a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, it's a long way to go to get there, actually, to do that. So uh, the UK is a little bit difficult to get to from Australia at the moment. But anyway, good to talk to you, boys. All the best with the new podcast. And uh, we will no doubt see you soon for more online racing. Thanks, pal. Thanks, buddy. Well, that was great to catch up with Noons there. That was a really good chat. I, I really enjoyed that. There's a few little stories that uh, I thought were very entertaining. You guys have had such a long relationship uh, within motorsport, but you've also been friends for the last 20 or so years. I'm not going to uh, you know, disclose your age. Uh, but there must have been a time or, or some sort of story you can tell us that uh, was, was a funny one. Yeah, definitely. The uh, I think the funniest Adot Noonan story that I have is we went to the cricket uh, Australia versus India a one day match. It was must have been early two thousand seven, late two thousand six, and it was at the time that uh, the Supercars broadcast had switched from Channel Ten to Channel Seven, and to coincide with that seven gig, uh, Aaron had got his big break and he was going to be. Uh, one of the callers for seven he was predominantly at that point doing their support classes you know Carrera Cup development series Formula Ford even at that point yeah and uh, he'd been given given that role he later went on to do uh, supercars main coverage as well uh, replacing uh, Neil Crompton or Mark Scaife when they were sick and he, he did uh, do other little bits and pieces but that 2007 was seven's first year and Aaron's first year in in the big in the big gig he was told uh, the morning of uh, this cricket match that mm. uh, we were going going to do it. So we met up, had had some had some beers, and uh, yeah. walked off to the MCG. And he'd uh, he'd told us at the pub, "I've got the gig." I thought, "Oh, that's amazing! Like, congratulations! You've been working so hard to to get this." Uh, and he'd said, "Yeah, yeah, but like, you just can't tell anyone. You can't say you can't say a single thing." So uh, myself, I was with Andrew Van Loon, now of Motorsport.com. Uh, and we sat and watched the game and Andrew and I were having banter and beers throughout the entire cricket match and Aaron sat on his phone <laughs> the whole cricket match <laughs> and I think he called everyone in his phone directory <laughs> to say, I've got the gig, I've got the gig, but you but can't you tell, tell anyone. <laughs> and then he'd hang up and then repeat. Uh, like he was, it was something that he'd worked really hard for yeah. and uh, look, he's he's gone on to do some... Uh, amazing things, both in that commentary world uh, and also in uh, you know keeping 
the best, most comprehensive log of mm. Australian motorsport history. He is the um, the guy to go to if you pretty much need any anything. stats. Any stats. So he supplies Mark Scaife and Crompo with a lot of the info they need for supercar broadcast, and I'm sure that they're not the only ones. He's uh, he's a great fella. Um, and a guy that we really do enjoy catching up with. And we're going to see a lot more of him because he's going to be doing the commentary for the online racing there, the uh, car sales ARG eSport uh, online racing, which we're very much looking forward to. But our next guest is another true gentleman of the sport, Thomas Randall. We're going to catch up with Thomas and find out what he's been up to during this coronavirus uh, parked up period and uh, see what his plans are for this year. I'm pressing the numbers. And on the line is Thomas Randall, S5000 driver, Dunlop Super 2 driver. Thomas, thanks for joining us on Parked Up. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, TD. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. Mate, just before we ask some serious questions about some race cars or uh, virtual race cars, just tell us a little bit about your coronavirus story. And uh, I guess you've, you've had a, uh, a pretty hectic start to 2020. Yeah, it has been pretty hectic. Uh, not not every day you wake up here on the news you got uh, yeah testicular cancer but look it's I'm just putting it in the in the rearview mirror at the moment um, just having to do monthly checkups which is good and look to be honest with all this stuff that's going on with coronavirus look I, I just want to make sure yeah everyone's keeping well first and foremost keeping safe doing all the social distancing rules that you've got to do um, but yeah luckily I don't have to go through any treatment at the moment because. That could probably be the worst thing that I'd have to do or that anyone would have to do to go through that where that would you know, knock knock your immune system about. And if you were to catch this virus with a low immune system, you, you're kind of in uh, dire straits. So, yeah, very lucky. And somehow I, I don't have to go through any of that yet. Um, it's not as if I'm delaying it. It's just that the numbers are yeah really low that I don't have to. So it's really good and allows me to focus on other things in, in my life. And it's, even though we're not racing on the real track, it's nice to be uh, e-racing and uh, also doing some uni studies. Yeah, it's great the way that you've handled it. Uh, you've you've been completely open and transparent, uh, answered lots of questions from all the sections of media and uh, and the fans as as well. So, uh, like, full congratulations to you. But um, are you sick of actually talking about the old uh, meat and potatoes? Yeah, look, to be honest, yes. Um, I I think that was something I, I didn't expect when I went public. I mean, there was that thought that, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will ask me, which... At the time, I just wanted to uh, get people aware of the situation, not not really for like a, a personal plug because it's not something you, you really want to talk about, um, but just to let people know that oh well, if he if he can get it, someone who you know respects their body and is a racing car driver, which a lot of racing car drivers think they're invincible anyways, so um, mm. <laughs> yeah, it sort of means that uh, yeah anyone anyone can get it. So I think that was that was the main reason for me to go public with it but yeah it's gotten to a point now where you're kind of like oh yeah i mean i appreciate that someone's thinking about me but um the way that some people word their questions it's kind of like yeah okay um <laughs> i don't really want to talk about it but uh in, in saying that yeah it's nice that they're, they're checking up on me but it's i think it's just good to, to try and focus on some racing and when i was racing at adelaide and at the grand prix for that one day uh, when you're in the car you're not even thinking about it which is uh, which is the main thing yeah, I was actually uh, really, really impressed how you handled it at the start of the year there. And 
to see you get in the race car at Adelaide, which was sort of a bit of a, not a late minute deal, but a change for you. Obviously you were Tickford last year and now you're with Matthew White. So to add into the, to the mix, you know, you've been crook, but then to come out of Adelaide and put the car on pole, that was really inspiring. I was watching it at the time and I couldn't have been uh, happier for you. Uh, really, really good stuff, mate. So, uh, and then to you know cap the weekend off with some really, really strong results. It's a bit unfortunate now we're we're not continuing at the moment. But S five thousand, you've you've done a little bit of racing there as well. What do you sort of see the difference between the you know S five thousand um, Super Two? They're polar opposite cars, aren't they? <laughs> Look, they're polar opposite, but then in ways they're also very similar. So the cars are very heavy for an open wheeler i mean you're trying to muscle around 920 odd kilos yeah uh, with a with a v8 crate coyote motor in the back uh, so you, with with also very hard tires so your minimum yep. corner speeds you're, you kind of expect you're going to be carrying in a lot of entry speed but then you, you realize oh okay i've actually got a really slow car down and the car's got steel brakes um, and the, because it's such a heavy car with with not very good braking capacity, your braking zones are actually very similar to a supercar. So that that okay. is probably the main area where where things are quite similar. Um, you, you'd expect in an open wheel you'd be braking, you know, sort of the 80, 80 meter marker. But these cars don't really have that much downforce, which is yeah. what they were d- designed to, to to have, or have a lack of, thereof. Um, but they, they are a very fun car to drive. I mean, the acceleration is insane. You just get thrown back in the seat. It's kind of similar to when I drove a Formula Renault 3.5 World Series car a few years ago. The acceleration, it just keeps going. And, you know, the car, you feel super safe inside the car. I mean, the Halo, I was very against the whole Halo idea originally, as a lot of people were. Um, but you, you can't even see it when you drive because you're just looking so far down the road. It, yep. It's kind of like it's kind of like your nose where... You never, you're never looking at your nose. I got a big nose, mate. I can, around. I can almost oh, see well. my nose. <laughs> okay, so maybe, maybe TD can step in here. We'll, we'll put you in s five thousand. You might actually see the halo. But, <laughs> uh, but no, they are a great car. It's a shame that we didn't get to continue the weekend because mm. I think it was, it was looking really good there. And, um, oh, the yeah. cars sound amazing, and uh, probably the best sounding cars at the Grand Prix. That's for sure. Look, if once we do get going uh, racing again after what we're facing, is the plan to continue with S5000 and Super 2? We, we know you're partnering up with Nick Perkat in the uh, Supercar Enduros as well. I mean, the back half of the year could be really, really busy for everybody, but in particular, your racing schedule. Yeah, <laughs> at the moment, there's, there's so many questions in the air about what's going to happen. I mean, Formula 1 just postponed another race mm. because we're all sort of just relying off the information from the, you know, the state and federal government. So best case scenario, we can get back racing in six months time. And, and if they're going to try and do a full championship, I mean, I, I can't, I can't see how supercars will fit 14 rounds mm. in this year, whether they sort of continue that on to 2021 somehow it, it's a, that's going to be very interesting, but yeah, the, the plan was to do S5000 super two and the enduro. So if, if we can get back racing towards the end of the year and they can provide some form of championship with you know, four or five rounds in S5000, yep. you know, another five rounds in Super 2 and the Enduros, I mean, that's, like you said, that's a very, very busy end of the year. And I think any racing driver will be more than willing to accept the challenge. We yeah. all want to hop in a race car every day. So I think just the, the washing machine will be working overtime to wash all the race gear. <laughs> 
especially at this time when we're not doing anything at all, it really makes you appreciate going racing. Uh, we went racing, though, in the Car Sales ARG eSport Cup. Now, uh, talk us through that. Are you a big sim guy? Uh, do you spend a lot of time on the sim? Because you were going pretty bloody good. Uh, now, what's your def- firstly, what's your definition of pretty bloody good? Because... I don't know if about if, if my qualifying P16 and running in the in the back end of the 20s and 30s is pretty bloody good. But look, well, I, I, the, I I do need to spend yeah, more time on the sim. But I had a lot of fun. I mean, look the um, uh, the racing well, side of things. People are getting belted up left, right, and centre uh, from people making mistakes or people you know trying too hard, whatever it might be. So it's not really showing the true pace. But you know, we had 40 cars there. And to qualify, you know, in that top half of the 20, I think is very good because some of the kids out there, and, and you're a bit of a kid too, I must admit, you're pretty young. Thanks, mate. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> uh, they spend a lot of time on these things. You know, they spend most of their days driving because they do have the time to do it. So to be mixing it up the field, I thought was was a really good effort. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I haven't spent as much time as I've wanted to. And you sort of get on the sim and you get into that, that two-hour practice session beforehand and you think, Geez, why didn't I do some more practice before this? Because you're already behind the eight ball. But, yeah, I had a lot of fun. And uh, I think it's a bit tricky to know sometimes how close you are to the car in front because when, when you touch them or when you try and give them a push, you don't you don't actually feel that. Like, you, you don't realise you're hitting them. And then you actually can end up turning someone and go, oh, crap, I didn't even realise I was touching them. You knew you were close, but not that close. Um, but, look, Will Brown and I had an awesome battle for P29 in the uh, reverse grid race. So, yeah, look, we had a lot of fun. And uh, I, I upgraded my computer from last week and uh, bought a brand-new PC. Um, and, look, it's uh, it's doing a, a much better job. Mm. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next week. I think we're into the open wheels next week. Is that is that correct? No, not yet. Next week will be round three of the Car Sales eSport Cup and uh, we will stick in the Audis and we will be going to the famous American road course Watkins Glen. But it won't, oh, it'll be round four. I reckon we'll start to see these uh, F3 cars, which will help represent ARG's uh, S5000 class. Do you reckon uh, once we jump in those open wheelers, uh, it might be you know a, a little bit better for yourself? I'd like to hope so. I mean, I'm, I'm certain. I've never raced a, a front-wheel drive car in real life. I, I have tested a British touring car for a day once, which was back in 2016, and uh, certainly, yeah, needed more than a day. Let's put it that way. But yeah, I'm, I have a lot of fun trying to work out uh, how much these cars can handle the, the throttle when you've got understeer, whether you give it more throttle or uh, or, or not. And it, it, it's it's been very challenging for me to wrap my head around so I'm, I'm hoping i'm praying pray for me grant that i can get this uh get these real drive cars high downforce cars going but yeah we'll see well cool mate it's great to have uh you and uh, a lot of the s5000 guys in the field taking it to uh the tcr australia tcr new zealand regulars plus a uh, whole host of others including touring car masters a uh, a wide mix of of different drivers competing in the online world but quite frankly we we really want you back out on on the track and uh and pounding around the racetracks and we can't wait for that thomas randall thank you very much for joining us on parked up thank you very much for having me looking forward to next week cheers mate so great to talk to thomas randall there tony he's had such a massive year so many things 
for him to deal with and uh, great to see that he's recovering and always got a massive smile on his face. Yeah, he's a bit of an inspiration, I think, to a, man, to a lot of people, especially at the moment with all the stuff that he's dealing with. And uh, as I mentioned there, putting it on pole at Adelaide and Super 2, I thought was absolutely fantastic. Showed his true grit. Um, so great to have him on board. Uh, but now we actually move on to uh, a guy that's very important within Australian motorsport, Eugene Arocca, who is the CEO of Motorsport Australia. So we're going to put some questions to him about how you know motorsport lies at the moment, what he knows talking to other forms of sport, whether it be Formula One, whether it be AFL. This guy is in the know. So if he knows anything about going racing soon, we might be able to get it out of him today. Tony, press those buttons. And on the line, we have the CEO of Motorsport Australia. It's Eugene Arocca. Eugene, thanks for joining us on Parked Up. Thanks for having me on, mate. Eugene, a, uh, a huge month in the world of motorsport, in the world in general. Just give us uh, your take on your coronavirus story that's uh, sort of unfolded since we were trying to go racing at the Grand Prix. Well, that's the story. I was on my way into the Grand Prix on the Friday morning when we'd heard some BBC reports about the event being cancelled. And from that moment on, it's fair to say that it's just been a roller coaster. And uh, turning up at the Grand Prix track on the Friday morning at 6.30am, telling everyone that everything was normal, that to go out to their posts and all that sort of stuff. And then by 10 o'clock, it was all done and dusted. It's hard to believe that was uh, less than four weeks ago, mm. four weeks ago. And in that time, there have been thousands of deaths, stage three restriction brought into Victoria, uh, motorsport essentially grinding to a halt. We tried our best in those two or three weeks after the Grand Prix to support some local events, but it's now become very clear in nearly every state. In fact, most states have banned uh, sport as such. Um, and whilst we tried to argue around some of the points, um, one by one, every state brought in a, a very sensible restriction saying that organised sport was no longer permitted. And uh, here we are uh, at Easter, when normally there'd be something on very big <laughs> up at Bathurst. Yep. Um, and having found ourselves that not only do we wonder about what's happened to date, but there's an element of uncertainty about what happens in the future uh, in terms of when we can get back to racing. Yeah, everything's sort of up in the air, as you mentioned there. So really nobody's any clearer about when we can go racing again. Is that correct? Well, there's some there's some good educated guests. I must say, I, uh, I fell off my chair when I heard that Peter Volandis was saying that NRL's back in May. Uh, yeah. Every bone in my body tells me that um, we can't rush this. When we do want to come back, when we do come back, we want to come back for good. We don't want to come back and find two or three months later we're back to where we are now. And mm. that's my greatest fear as an administrator, getting a false start, having two or three or five or 10 events and being back to square one if someone turns up with COVID-19. So yep. my, my take, Tony, is that we wait as long as we have to to get it right. And if we have to introduce it bit by bit, events without crowds, smaller type events, building up to state, national, and then maybe you know one of the big ones without a crowd again, um, when you're reading the paper in Victoria that the Australian um, Tennis Open is a chance to play without a crowd in January next year, it starts to make you realise that no one really has a handle on this. The medical mm. people claim that there's a peak coming in May, then in July. Well, my guess, gents, is that um, we're probably not going to be racing for at least another three to six months. And that's obviously massively disappointing for for the fans, for teams. But how does it sit for 
for Motorsport Australia and how does the business, you know, keep keep going? Well, we rely on three things. Um, we rely on events, uh, generate revenue, um, license holders who go to those events and then permits that are issued. We, we, we receive money from everyone from the supercars um, to AGPC to small club level events. We have literally dropped off the cliff. There is no revenue coming in. It has come to a grinding halt. I think we had three license renewals uh, yesterday. Uh, generally, we get between 15 to 20 a day. Um, we've probably had 15 to 20 this week. Um, so our, our revenues come to a grinding halt and the reality is that we have to pull back uh, a lot of our costs and expenses and salaries. And so the executive led with a 40% 40 reduction in salaries from the CEO um, through to the, through to the uh, executives. And then uh, we started preparing for a stand down of most of our staff and then Scott Morrison's um, JobKeeper plan managed to allow us to keep most of them on one or two days a week. And that's where we're currently, you know, holding pattern, waiting until the events start trickling back in uh, and people start getting going again. But it's the toughest time I've ever experienced in 35 years of professional life and nearly 20 years in sport. I don't think I've ever, well, I know, I know. I've never seen anything like this, never expected anything like this, never saw it coming. We didn't even have it in our risk factoring. We know we factor in all sorts of things that can happen, you know, incidents and uh, bad weather and uh, all sorts of um, potential actions that can impact a, an event or a month or a week. Uh, this has just blown our socks off. And so we've had to scale everything back and uh, we're working behind the scenes, but the reality is that it's been a major impact to motorsport Australia, as it has to nearly every other sport. Yeah, that's right. Everyone around the world, we're, uh, we're all feeling... The hurt in some way, shape or form. And I'd imagine that every contract written from now on is going to include some sort of pandemic clause in there as well. What was the feeling like from staff, um, you know, who had to uh, receive some pretty, you know, bad news from you guys? Well, on Monday last week, not this week, but the week before, Monday last week, we had a board meeting ready for 6.30 to tell the board to stand down the staff. And I must say it was one of the worst weekends leading up to that. Um, but at five o'clock, um, ScoMo brought in his JobKeeper allowance, and we met with the with the staff on the Wednesday. Had we planned as we had planned to, and I tell them that sadly, nearly fifty odd of them, fifty odd people were going to be stood down, and essentially without pay, uh, they could claim some of their leave, but there wasn't much that they could really rely upon there. And so I I was stealing myself for the worst speech of all time. Um, but on Monday, we breathed a sigh of relief. We had our board meeting. The board meeting essentially endorsed whatever action we decided to take. We reviewed the Scott Morrison JobKeeper uh, program. And so on the Wednesday, it was an entirely different speech. It was basically along the lines that we were going to stand you down, but for at least the next three to six months, uh, we are able to give you some money via the government. We're going to keep you active and busy and connected. We have weekly Zoom meetings for all the senior managers, weekly Zoom meetings for all the staff. The real challenge, uh, gents, is keeping people up and connected. We're week nine into something that could be 30 or 40-odd weeks. We're very much at the start of it all. And so for me as a CEO and my staff and all my executives and particularly in HR, we're thinking of everything possible to keep people um, uh, up and about, uh, connected to the organisation. We've got working parties looking at ways in which we can be creative in motorsport. As they say, often in, in, diverse, in, in, in adversity comes opportunity. 
Um, I can tell you that there's a working group made up of internal people from Motorsport Australia and uh, external people. Um, uh, Brucey Stewart from Walkinshaw. We've got Gary Rogers uh, from GRM. Uh, two or three others from the industry that have been pulled into a meeting yesterday. And the positive thing is that they're all committed to working out how we can get back to racing and how we can become, become more efficient and, uh, and, and progress. But right now, the staff are holding up, but it's hard, as you'd imagine, Grant, um, in your organisation, when you're ready to go racing and suddenly you've been told you might have to be on ice for the next three to four months, it's uh, really challenging. Yeah, really tough. The uh, the working group is a uh, an excellent initiative there. What, what were the, some of the things that, that came out of that initial meeting? Well, one of the obvious ones is a possible preparation for um, a summer series and racing through summer and uh, meeting the challenge of how to organise venues so that we can get maximum bang for our buck. If we get going again in August, September, October, we are going to have a massive crush and demand on tracks. We're going to try and jag seven or eight months of events into essentially two or three months because, as you might know, gents, um, most tracks are already booked a year in advance, so it's not as if you can simply say, oh, no, we'll catch up. Um, so looking at that, uh, looking at other efficiencies in terms of the way in which we manage motorsport without compromising safety, uh, we've gone to the FIA and talked to them about whether we need three stewards in all events, whether we can drop that down to two stewards rather than one. Um, and there are some other initiatives around licensing and around permitting and events that we're looking at. But we've got some smart people around the room who know motorsport who have uh, certainly said to me, I didn't go. I felt that it's probably one where uh, others who are more expert in the area of racing, motor, motor racing, would be available. And uh, I've had feedback from those who attended to say it was a very positive first meeting. Um, but everything's on the table. Everything's on the table in terms of how we operate as, at Motorsport Australia, how motorsport operates generally, how we can help event promoters, how we can look at getting more licensed officials involved. Like we're looking at programs in the next three to six months for people who are sitting at home, maybe only working one or two days a week, to utilise the internet to see if we can sign up more officials because we're going to need more officials. So, uh, Grant, uh, everything, everything that anyone can toss our way is being put into the um, into the mincer and considered for uh, an opportunity when we come out of this, uh, this crisis. Eugene, would you say that uh, this could be, I mean, maybe just for this year, but... Uh, the end of sort of street circuit, um, could there be more demand on the permanent circuits and maybe having an extra couple of circuits within each state? Well, we've, we've, we've wanted that for, for the last seven years. And you know, Tony, that we've, we've worked hard to uh, look at tracks and Tatum Bend has got our fingerprints all over it. There's the Brisbane Auto Mall that we're involved in. There's probably 15 developments at the moment that are on the drawing board in some form or other. And mm. Personally, I like the concept of street circuits because they bring people to the city, they, they bring people to a, a specific area where you can really showcase for sport. But the problem is that once you dismantle all that, no one's got, people haven't got anywhere to race. Particularly, you take Townsville, for example, you know, the, the, the supercars events, a supercars event in Townsville is the biggest event in town for the year. Mm. But you dismantle all that. And people don't have anywhere to race. Now, at the moment, there's a pretty determined group trying to get a track built. Um, so I, I think the demand for permanent circuits will, will, will continue to be highlighted. The problem we've got 
is that all this money is being sucked into helping the crisis or helping mm. us all get through the crisis. Yep. You know, in the past, I've often been told by government we haven't got 40 million or 50 million, or you have to wait a couple of years. But um, this money that's been ploughed into keeping us going for the next six months is going to have a long-term tail effect in us being able to get more venues built. And so I, I reckon you're right. We need more tracks, and this could prompt governments to look at more tracks. Um, and you look at you know the Gold Coast, one of the great events, but if you can't have a crowd there, um, the street circuit becomes almost meaningless if you haven't got a crowd there because you can't put up stands and you can't have people sitting together. And so, um, from my point of view, it's a really good question. Uh, we have done nothing less than try our best to find more venues and more locations. And I think there's going to be one built in Victoria and Fiskville. I chair a project group managed by the government there, and they're pretty mm -hmm. determined. So, look, um, long answer to your question, yes, we do. This could highlight the need for it, mm. but there's going to be some money we're going to find to make it happen, and that's <laughs> never easy. I think uh, easy. I think at the moment everyone's so focused on just surviving, so uh, finding money to build a race circuit probably isn't a priority for them, but it's a priority no. for us. <laughs> well, well, when you consider how big our country is, we have less tracks than the UK. Mm -hmm. So the UK, in a much smaller space, probably the size of New South Wales, has got 120-odd tracks. Wow. We've really only got between 90 to 100 at, at best yeah. and not all, you know, and a lot, there's a lot of street circuits, obviously. So when you compare, and, and we've only got 10,000 less licensed competitors in our country than they've got. So the demand is there for us. Yeah. And historically, we've been told many times by people, if you build tracks, we'll have more people racing. Mm. That's a, it's holding back our sport. So um, we are we are a country in need of more tracks, and um, we're certainly working on it. But this crisis is going to you know reconfigure things in a big way. And how do you think the industry will stand coming out on the other side of this? Well, I don't want to sound defeatist, but I don't think we're going to be the same way we went in. Um, I think it's going to take. Um, I'm being a realist that I think that it's not a switch on, switch off, switch on. Um, we're not going to get to October and suddenly have, you know, look, we sanction 3,000 events a year, 3,000 events a year and about 1,000 motorsport events. I don't think we're going to be sanctioning 3,000 events a year in 2021. I think people are going to come out of this later this year and motorsport will gradually pick up. Um, businesses that have laid off staff will start to put people back on. Uh, people have lost jobs and they're not going to have the disposable income. Um, but but we are very confident in the long run that we'll pick up um, the growth that we've had in the last five years, but with a bump in the road. And uh, for us, the work that this working group is on about is to find ways to get more people involved um, in non-traditional ways, uh, using... Um, e-sports to attract more people to become Motorsport Australia licence holders so that they are ready to race in time um, without having to necessarily go through many of the steps we put them through. So, look, um, I'm, I'm, if we got going again in August, September, I would think that it would take at least 12 to 18 months for Motorsport Australia to be at the same point it was um, in February 2020. That's how we're approaching this. Um, so we're going to be going as helpful ever to do everything possible to ensure that we do our bit to get the sport going and that we get the, uh, the opportunities for our members. 
Well, I guess the one great thing that we have is a uh, very, very passionate and loyal industry, people involved in the industry. So if any sporting body can get through it, it's going to be the the, uh, the motorsport teams, the drivers, the fans and, and all the people involved. And, uh, and look, we just simply can't wait for that to happen. We'll uh, obviously have to ride some bumps, but never do you really wish to fast forward time. But um, this would be nice to uh, fast forward, see what this end game looks like and, and get back to the real world uh, look um that has been one of the better things that have come out of this um you know, i've been involved in professional sport in one form or another for nearly 20 years and i can say that this industry has really pulled together you know we've had uh, members call us up and thank us for hanging in there uh, renewing their licenses even though they're probably not going to be racing for three or six months i've had plenty of messages of support from supercars teams from officials, from chaplains, from other sports leaders. Um, you're, you're right, Grant. There is an opportunity to build on what we have as an industry because as competitive as we are, and we are very competitive, very competitive, um, we are absolutely united in our love for the sport. It's in our DNA. It's in what we do. It's in how we go about our leisure activities. Um, and for that, I think there's a lot to be uh, look, to look forward to because... When you hear about Erebus doing what they've done, what Triple Eight's been doing in terms of helping out with hospitals and creating ventilators, our, you know, one of the reasons we decided not to keep promoting motorsport in this time was to make sure that doctors and first responders could be available to help in hospitals. So we've put, you know, the health of a nation ahead of ourselves. But once the flag drops again, we will go flying. And I think this has been a really great. Uh, outcome, if you want to call it that, uh, from people talking more to each other, engaging more of each other, talking about how we can solve the problems and getting together. And uh, I think that's something that really sustains me, sustains the staff, sustains our board. And uh, we're very grateful for the support we get from people like you, from the ARG, um, from Supercars, from the AGPC, um, all of our friends and partners. And it's interesting, you mentioned our contracts are going to have something about pandemic syndrome. All the contracts have basically been put on hold and there's been a real spirit of we can get through this without fighting each other or, you know, asking or demanding money. Uh, we've been really heartened by our sponsors and corporates and other stakeholders. So that's a pretty positive note to um, sort of round up on and that is that we will be back bigger and better, bigger and better. It'll take a bit of time, but when we do get going again, it'll be fantastic. And I can't wait for for Bathurst in particular, I think October 2020 will be a significant hallmark for us this year in terms of uh, getting the sport going again, whether it started before then or starts at then. At that time, either way, I'm setting myself for something big at Bathurst and fingers are crossed. We always look forward to uh, that time of year and, and I guess no more than uh, than 2020. Get rid of this damn virus and get back to racing. Eugenia Rocker, thank you very much for joining Tony and I on Parked Up. It's a real pleasure, gents. Have a good Easter. Stay safe, stay well, and uh, keep your social distancing under control too. He smells. I don't like to stay too close to him. <laughs> Thanks, uh, good on you, boys. Thanks you very know. much, fellas. Great to catch up with Eugenia Rocker, CAMS, I should say, Motorsport Australia's CEO. How long do you reckon it's going to take <laughs> us to stop saying CAMS? It's so uh, natural for us to say CAMS. Um, but, yeah, it was fantastic to catch up with Eugene. There's a lot of things happening in the background there. They're obviously experiencing really tough times with the business. Um, but, you know, that's a, a pretty normal story at the moment. You know, there's a lot of businesses having to cut back 
just to try and survive during this time. Uh, but as he mentioned there, it's giving them the chance to maybe revisit a few things, tidy up a few areas of the business, and maybe uh, you know look at a few opportunities that when we do kick off again, uh, they're going to be in a better place going forward. Okay, yeah, look, three awesome guests, Aaron, Randall, a rocker, and just one very quick uh, final shout-out. I actually started uh, Parked Up's own Facebook page we're today. We're going big. We're, this is, we're massive. We're massive. So I started the page, and I quickly sent out a whole bunch of invites to uh, people to, uh, to like it. So I thought we'd just do a quick shout-out to the first 10 people who liked it. I don't who, think I've even liked, liked it, it yet. No, you haven't liked it. And I tell you, there's one common theme uh, with this top 10, and we'll get to that at the end. But the very first one... Tom Reynolds. Ah, oh, man, he's a top bloke. He's been around the industry forever. Former so. former CAMS media yes. man. Uh, he HRT. Was HRT media man. Uh, he's still hanging out of the tracks. So I was with him at the Bathurst well. 12 hour. There we go. Uh, the second one was uh, Was a Luff. Oh, I never heard of him. <laughs> Warren Luff. I mean, you know, he's uh, been an amazing racing driver. He, uh, he actually does a lot of stuff with McElroy Racing, which I don't think everyone sort of knows, but he's sort of in charge of the, the younger driver um, part of things, and uh, he's got a lot of knowledge to pass on, so thank you for your support as well. <laughs> yeah, no, top bloke, and, uh, and I've also got along famously with his dad as well, so yep. uh, great, great motorsport family. Uh, Jordan Mulak was the third. Now, he's a young... Uh, up-and-coming uh, journalists, so okay. I think he's just sucking up to us uh, by by liking it. But uh, thank you. He could you. do thank a, you, a story on it or something to really suck up to us. Joel Strickland, photographer extraordinaire, was uh, was the fourth in P five. Was champion Greg Rust, <laughs> just uh, obviously spying on us with uh, his own. I think podcast. he's going to be worried. Yeah, because yeah. every time I put one, we put a podcast out, he will text me, so he's listening, you know, and I think. That's uh, it's almost flattery in many ways. <laughs> um, uh, sixth was Mark Wicks, long-time karting journalist. Oh, I remember Mark from uh, many years ago. So that's great to hear that he's actually tuning in and uh, a fan. Matt must be a massive fan of Parked Up. You know, Mark Wicks is a world champion karter as well. He won... Uh, sorry, Mark, for not exactly knowing the title that you won, but it was like an over 35s world title. Like the guy has uh, only one more world title than me, but he's still got one. He doesn't look a day over 35, hey, so we'll your, mate, that. your mate, Tim Brook. He's, Brooksy! He's, he's a big time uh, listener. No, I don't think he's ever listened at all. But <laughs> uh, look, anything that I've got my name attached to, he'll throw a like at, whether it's good or bad. So. Good to have him. He's obviously doing the sim racing as well. Um, Toyota 86 champion, uh, drove TCR last year for Marty Brand, the Cupra. Also one of the Hondas at Winton. So uh, nice to have him on board too. And I think he uh, he should be best known for uh, currently living basically at Oran Park. Yeah, yep. he lives on the circuit, on the main straight. He's, he's built a house on the main straight. That is a racing frother if I've ever <laughs> heard one. Renato Liberto, he was part of last uh, last week's um, episode, uh, episode three. Yep. Race uh, so against COVID-19. He has made the uh, top eight. In ninth place is young Stephen Downey, your... <laughs> my do, cousin. Your co oh, your cousin, yeah, of course. Yeah, my cousin Jade. 
uh, her partner Steve. So thanks, Steve, for so, that one. And, and uh, Jordan Cox in in tenth place there. So the only kind of family member was uh, Steve. was Steve. Yeah, but actually not really family. Steve, we love you like a brother. But you will um, be one day. You hopefully one day. Um, if you play your cards right, mate. But uh, absolutely no family member of ours. You wait though. When 10. I like it, then my dad will share it. And then my mum will share it, and then my sisters will get on board, and it will just be like a Delberto fest. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is like hundreds of you, there so is, um, is. we're always guaranteed to have some friends, uh, family supporting us. Yes. And isn't that great? It is great. It is great. Look, it's been a great show. I've really enjoyed this one. We had excellent guests, as you said. But please check out the Facebook site. We want to know who you want to chat to. We ask this every single week and every yeah, well, single week. Well, they didn't no really have an outlet. So well, now they, they could just outlet. text me or something, you know, like dad could just text me and say, hey, have a chat to, I don't know, old mate. Yes, we do want to hear from you. We want to get interactive and we want to know who you want to talk to during this period that we're all parked up. Grant Rowley, another episode done and dusted. Enjoy your... Easter. Yeah. Happy Easter. Eat lots of chocolate. Lots of chocolate. Bye for now.